Ending, turn to the 14th chapter of St. Mark. 14th chapter of St. Mark. I'm going to read some real old familiar scriptures to you. I appreciate our visitors tonight. God bless you. We appreciated the word from Brother Amos. Good, solid, true. Foundation that you build upon is something that's going to last. I appreciate that. In this life, if we didn't have Him, we didn't have the truth, we didn't have the foundation for the truth, then we wouldn't be able to stand. But God knows where we're at. Fourteenth chapter of St. Mark from the 32nd down to and including the 38th verse. Simply says, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tear ye here and watch. Everybody say, Watch. watch. He went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee, Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He cometh and findeth them sleeping, saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Right over to 13th chapter, the 34th verse. Scriptures to connect with that, 34th down to and including 37th. Simply says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest suddenly he find you sleeping. Now what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word, it's so true. And it carries to us a very powerful message. And it signifies in a way, Father, that we ought to be, especially as we approach the last days. As we stand in your presence, Father, we have to be thankful for what we know of you, for the light that you have shined upon our pathway, for your word, which is such a reality. Now, Father, take us this evening, strip us of anything of our own, any idea or opinion we might have, any thought of the human mind, replace it with you, yourself, your presence and your power. And Father, give us the anointing that we need tonight to proclaim your word. We pray, Father, also ears would be anointed to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We thank you. Give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I didn't count tonight how many times in those particular scriptures that that one word appeared, watch, 
But it was several, and of course, throughout the Bible, interlaced throughout the Bible, it's certainly those same words that cry out and speak to us. Jesus, of course, wanting some physical company, asked his closest disciples to watch with him while he prayed. And of course, they failed to do this. And when he came back and he found them sleeping, he left some words that should not lie in the dust of the centuries of yesteryear and words that we should not become oblivious to, for they certainly was meant for your day and mine. When he simply ended off, could you not watch with me one hour? Then he showed the significance of watching when he said, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And then he says in the thirty in the thirteenth verse, thirty seventh chapter, what I say unto you, that is those that was immediately present, I say unto you all. I take that to mean anyone that came in contact with the reading of his word or the hearing of his word, ringing down through the corridors of time and centuries and lighting upon our day. He simply is saying what I'm saying to those right now. I'm saying to you all, watch. The early church, when we pinpointed and looked back, it lived for one purpose, and one purpose alone, and that was to be ready when Jesus came. Whether he came by death or by his second coming, their desire was that they would be ready. I read concerning them, they took very little stock in what the world had to offer them, and they lived for God. Not for what he could give them in this life necessarily, but that they would be prepared and worthy to enter into God's kingdom. I think that was first and foremost in the life of the early church. I don't think they necessarily run around asking God for every little thing. I don't think they ask him for riches. I don't think they even ask him to deliver them out of a lot of problems and trouble because Jesus had already told them that offenses would come. And that we suffer, we have to suffer for his name's sake. So they went about their little walk of life and giving their life to Christ and did it for one reason alone, and that would well, so they would be prepared and counted worthy to enter into the glorious presence of the Lord. And because of that, they went around with their daily task. As they were, they was watching and they were alert. Now, contrary to what we might think, their eyes was not on the skies. They didn't walk around in a spiritual heaven as super saints. That was so far above everyone else that no one else could come close to who they was. Certainly, I don't think their primary purpose even was to watch concerning the prophecies concerning his coming, although this is fine, well, and good. But their eyes was upon themselves. Their eyes was upon their actions. So if Jesus was to come tomorrow, would their actions be befit a child of God? He was to take them by death, would their actions be pleasing in his sight at the time the deaf angel sounded the deaf toll? I think their eyes was upon their speech. 
how they talked, what they said, not necessarily that they would use curse words, but whether their words was actually something that would upbuild the kingdom and cause of Christ. We waste a lot of breath today talking about different things that has no connotation or no meaning to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our visitation sometimes, barely does the name of the Lord come up and what it takes. Our speech, Jesus wanted us to know that it should be concerning Him. I believe also the early church had their eyes upon their conduct. How should they behave in the midst of a perverse and a lost generation? What type of walk was required of them? What type of actions? What type of speech and what type of dress? Do they dare be anything different than what God told them to be? In other words, their eyes was on themselves to see that their lives remained unsoiled and pure, ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, watching like the Word of God told us to. I don't think it should be any different in your day and mine. I think we're coming close to the end of time. Men, women, boys, and girls are dying every day, going out into eternity, so we ought to be concerned about what our life is like today. So much of the time we look around and say, well, this sign says he's not coming until such and such a time, and this one points to his coming, and I agree with that. But who knows how long our life is? It's just a whisper, and then it's gone. It just cometh forth like a flower, and then it's cut down. We bloom, we spring forth. We have no promise of tomorrow. Time comes and time goes. We be held accountable for how we use our time in preparation for the coming of the Lord. I like for my life to be holy. I like to find out truthfully what holiness actually is. I like to believe that it means more than dress. I believe it does, but I believe that's part of it. I like to believe that it means more than just certain things that we say it is. I don't know if I have a definition for holiness or not, but I believe it would be finding ourselves pleasing in the eyes of God every day in everything we do. Holy in speech, holy in dress, holy in action, holy in looking forward to His soon coming and watching every day that my life would be pure and unsoiled so that nothing would keep me from the kingdom of God. Preparation for Christ's coming, if you'll read in the Bible, simply points us to being heedful, being observant, being watchful, and prayer. All of these things dictate to us that there is a need that we heed what God has said unto us. There's a need that we observe our life and how we walk it. There's a need that we be watchful. Snares out here everywhere ready to encompass, ready to take, ready to devour, ready to destroy, and more than anything else, ready to put our testimony so that it means nothing to a lost and dying world. Also, there's a need for prayer in our lives. Men may be war. They may be weary from watching. I'm sure as I talk to older people as well as young alike, they become worn and weary from watching pining for peace when there seems to be no peace in the world, hoping for rest to find it and still the same lesson simply has to be repeated, the same duty practice, 
And the same words that here too when Jesus said, What I say unto you, I say unto you all once. I'd like to break it down enough tonight as he's saying, What I'm saying to you, I'm going to have written. And I'm saying to the Pentecostal church in bird's eye on this Wednesday night, the same thing, watch yourself. Watch your life. Watch where you're at. Watch and see what your testimony is. Watch and see what type of a commitment you have and what you do to other people's lives. Are we reaching them? Are we walking steadfast? Naturally, you're not going to please men, but I'm not talking about pleasing men. I'm talking about living a life that men respect it, whether it's pleased with the way it is or not. You know, you'll never be able to please the human flesh. They're always going to find something wrong with our lives because our lives lived holy condemns them. And so naturally they're going to speak evil concerning us. But while it's condemning them, there's a certain amount of respect that's built up in their lives and lets them know you are different and you don't care what the world says. You just know what Jesus says and you're getting hold of that. And it's what He said that's going to take us through. It's not what the world says. Watchfulness in spite of it all is still the duty of the church and is still the duty of the saints. Now first we have a personal reason to watch. I expounded that and explained that. Every one of us ought to watch personally that our lives personally would be one that people could see and know and know that we are waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Personally it ought to be lived so that when Jesus would come in just another moment we'd be able to go out with a grand cry of glory and in a brace of glory. But also this comes to watchfulness of a church. I believe that God said one time, I have set you on the wall a watchman. I can't help it. I'm prone to believe. And I hope I'm not getting out of order here. I'm prone to believe that any time God sets uh, apostolic-based doctrine in a town that knows the truth without a shadow of a doubt, that has known what repentance is, and that's not shaking the preacher's hand, that's not coming, standing, stiff and tall and leaving, saying you have come to Christ and no change in your life. An old-fashioned repentance brought on by conviction of the power of the Holy Ghost that changes us and turns our life around and makes us live different and walk different. And then baptism in His precious holy name, which is taking on the family name, so we'll be a family with the family of God in the power of God when He comes. And the power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in another tongue that gives us power and enables us to live victorious lives every day. And I can't help but believe when God sets something like that in a town, He has set it as a watchman on the wall and has told us to watch. Not watch concerning His coming, but watch that we portray to a lost and dying world a salvation that is befit a Christian. How we walk befitting a Christian. How we live befitting a Christian. And that we watch for His soon coming and we see the potential in the world and realize that this town belongs to us. It's our responsibility to some way reach it and the surrounding communities is our responsibility. Watchmen, what of the night? I think there's a cry coming up. I think maybe God is crying that. Watchman, what of the night? How is it out there anyway? What of the night? 
I think we ought to take a look around us when he asked us that question and be able to give him a report about what's happening in this world, what's happening in our immediate family, what's happening in our town, what's happening in the surrounding community, that we are watchful and alert and aware of what is going on, and that we are a city set on a hill whose light cannot be hidden, that we actually belong to him. We're standing in a day and hour where watchfulness is the duty of the church and duty of the saints. But the Bible makes it clear in so many passages of Scripture that watching cannot stand by itself. I mean, you cannot simply be content with saying, I have watched. Because St. Mark 14, 38, I read to you, simply says, watch and pray. Two ingredients that simply has to be connected to make watchfulness effective. I mean, we can watch, but without prayer, we don't know what we're watching for. We don't know what it is or how it is with us in our lives. We're still living in this world. We're still ordered a lot of times by human flesh and human desires. And it's only when we go before God in prayer and activate that spirit that is within us that it convicts or condemns us of our wrongdoings. And we become aware of that. And so be able to know how we watch in our life, what is necessary to be rid of in our life, we have to connect watching with praying. He said, lest ye enter into temptation. In other words, you need to watch. That prayer is on the agenda. They have to go together. My dad used to say, a lot of people pray. He said, you can almost find, especially any Holy Ghost-filled people, and that's years ago. I'm not sure that his statement is right now, because I think we find a lot of Holy Ghost people that doesn't spend the time in prayer they ought to spend. And a lot of people don't bend the knee from one Sunday morning to the next. God help us. But dad used to say that almost all pray. And then we get up. And we never watch where we're going and blunder into the same situation that we prayed that God would deliver us out of. And he said, so those two had to go together. We had to pray and then we had to watch. And we have to watch and we still have to pray. Because if we don't do this, we're going to enter into temptation. Now how many will disagree tonight by what the world is filled with temptations? And that Christian people are not immune to that. In other words, the devil has set his cap for every one of you that's here. His temptation will come at your weakest moment with the weakest chain or link in your chain. And God is telling us here that there's just one way to escape temptation. He said, now the spirit that dwells within you is willing. Every one of us know that tonight, don't we? And what dwells within us is willing to completely do God's will. But Jesus is looking to something and he's saying, but now I know that there's carnality in flesh and you're living in it and flesh is weak and it's always going to be weak. So he says in order to overcome that weakness that is there, place those two ingredients together and use them. And that way if you have them together, you're not going to enter into temptation. Paul told the Ephesian elders, I have not shown to declare unto you the counsel, whole counsel of God. And then he says these words, therefore, he says, watch. And then he says something that ought to move right down into the very jelly part of our spine. 
as he says, watch and remember. Remember. Brother Johnny, if there are those that's sitting here, when you took this podium year after year and proclaimed the truth of the power of God, if there's those that's in churches out surrounding areas or wherever they might have been, their watching is of no value if they can't remember the pure word of God that you laid down before them. And it says it's important that we remember what God is saying to us. Don't worry about the storm outside. We need a little rain in here. Hallelujah. We need a little storm in our life, something that will disturb us. He said, watch and remember. And Paul said, by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. It was nothing for founding fathers that go before God and cry out and shed tears. They shed tears for their saints. They shed tears for the sinners. They lay before God. Sometimes, as Paul says, night and day. I realize that's an attribute that doesn't come often. That's an attribute you don't see much. We're too busy building our programs. Too busy lining up what we're supposed to do and God is standing outside still knocking on the door and said if there's anybody in there that'll open the door I'll come in and sup with him and he with me I'll still do that I think what I'm trying to say if somewhere somehow we could move out the programs of man ideas, idiocracies and idiosyncrasies of humanity and turn it back over to God again it'd be a stir and a move of God that would shatter the imagination of individuals but we have to remember Paul said what I told you now he was aware that there's going to come time when they was going to have to watch but how are they going to watch what are they going to watch for if they can't remember the hours he spent in toil ministering to them the do's and don'ts of salvation and a good holy life? You see, there's been do's and don'ts in this gospel ever since it's been preached. Ever since God has placed it there, it's don't do this and do that. And tells us how to live a holy life. And tells us how to be not a burden to the world, but a salvation to a lost and to a dying world. And Paul says, couple watching with remembering. In other words, if you can't remember what you're supposed to watch for, watching is futile. It's of no value. So it says, put your memory in focus. Reach back. Reach back over the years and let, us let me challenge you here tonight. I don't know how long some of us have known God. I don't know how long our walk with God has been. Some many years, some not so many, and some just a few. But what you need to do, and God is telling you here through the writings of the Apostle Paul, is simply remember whoever spoke it is worthy of remembering. Whether we liked the preacher or whether we didn't, if he spoke a word, it's worthy of remembrance in our life. And he was telling us to remember. Remember what was said that you needed to watch out for. Jesus told him to watch and pray, pray that he'd reveal you the things that would be temptations in your life. Paul Wright wrote again to the Corinthian churches. He said, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Hallelujah. Stand fast in the faith. I thought maybe that was the Spirit coming in just now. I thought, God, come on in. We need you tonight. <laughs> 
Standfast in the faith, which you, like men, are be strong. So in other words, watch. What are we watching for? We're standing and contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And it says, quit you. That word from the Greek means carry through. Perform to the end like men. Be strong. In other words, adverse conditions come. Brace yourself and stand and contend for the faith. Should disappointments come, stand and contend for the faith. Should adversity be on every hand, stand and contend for the faith. Stand fast in the faith. Don't be moved from the solidity that God has placed you in. Friend, this world is reeling and it's rocking like a drunk man. I shared with an individual minister as he called me this morning. His face seemingly had plunged just right down to nothing. And he said, I've looked around. I've been at the big places. And he said, and I'm not jealous. He said, I'm not jealous. I'd like for every church to be filled. But he said, when I look at the programs that fill them, and how they have departed from the faith, and put those things behind them, and built them structures so huge, that they cannot even, they're indebted so much that they, can't even, they cannot even do what God put them on this earth to do. And he said, God help us. Where do we go from here? I think it's still watching. And it's still standing fast. When you see these things all about you, the Bible says, lift up your head for your redemption, North Nye. He didn't tell us to hang down our head. He told us to lift it up. Because when we see these things happening, our redemption's just right around the corner. He's about ready to come. I might add, He's really not coming for the multitudes. He's coming for those that have made themselves ready. Paul speaking again. He used that word, I think, probably more than anybody. As he said, continue in prayer. And watch. Now he's used those before, prayer and watch. But now he's brought something else into view. Something else that is coupled with watch and pray. And he said in the same with thanksgiving. Now that's a good one. You pray and you watch and you see your life disturbed. And you see your pillow of faith sometimes crumble. And you stand and you look around and wonder where everybody's gone. And what's happening to everybody? Why isn't somebody concerned about God and concerned about the gospel? And Paul is writing to the church at Colossus and he's saying, Now you, fat, you watch and you pray and you do that with thanksgiving. In other words, wherever you're at, whatever's happening in your life, Stand, lift your hands to heaven. Gaze into the eyes of the gentle master and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me from this world of sin. Thank you for the faith that I've been established in. Thank you for the disappointments that's come my way and you've always been there. Thank you for the lonely hours that I underwent. Thank you for that because it's made a man out of me. It's made me more dependent on you than ever before. Thank you for adverse conditions because it's made me depend on you when nobody else was there. 
And it's caused me to turn loose the hand of man and get a hold of that strong and mighty power, which is Jesus. With thanksgiving, watch and pray. Thessalonians, Paul again, admonishing that we're not children of darkness. But he says that we are children of the light. And he says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. That word come from sophron, from the Greek, simply means self-controlled. Not under the influence of any intoxicants, fleshly desires. Now, of course, when we talk about intoxicants, we think about the drunkard. We think about the drug addict, somebody like that, that's under intoxicants. But listen, we can come, become intoxicated with the pleasures of this world. We can reel and rock like a drunk man when we get a taste of pleasure and makes it act wrong. And he says, let us watch then and let us be self-controlled. In other words, having control of your own thoughts. A life so lived under the influence of Almighty God that we are controlled, not drunk with the pleasures of flesh of this world. He tells Philippians again, 3.20, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you ever wonder? I've stood and watched Christian people, and I, I guess there's none like this in bird's eye, and certainly there wouldn't be any like this in this church. But you ever wondered why your kid could know every rule in sports? That they could name ever Hollywood's most prominent actor and actresses? and tell you every happening on the soap opera and couldn't even give you the Ten Commandments? You ever wonder about that? What does that mean, let our conversation? In other words, what we say is picked up by those who hear us say it. What we condone is picked up by those in which we allow it to be done. And if conversation in the house of God, not only in the house of God, but in our own house. Conversation was Bible-wise. Bible reading was there and prayer was there. It could not help but pick up in a child's life. It always has and it always will. But it said, let our conversation. In other words, we need our conversation in heaven. Heavenly-minded. Talking about Jesus. Talking about His love talking about His compassion, talking about His mercy, talking about His promise, talking about what He's done for us, talking more than anything else about where He's going to take us, hallelujah, when this life is over. Paul writes to Timothy again, and he tells Timothy to preach the Word. And he said, Watch thou in all things. Endure affliction. 